Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're very thankful to have you tune in with us today. This is Elder David Wise here with you on the program, and we're thankful to have the opportunity to share time on the program with Joe Nettles and this joint effort of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and then Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. And if you are in North Mississippi, we would love to have you come out and worship with us at our respective churches on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And then also be sure and come visit us on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi at the New Covenant Church at 200 West Garrett Road. We would certainly love to have your fellowship and your visitation. And uh, if this message is encouraging for you, go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com and you can get our email address and you can contact us. You can email us. You can let us know if you have any questions. We can help you in any way. We'd certainly love to hear from you. And you can also go to Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org. And we have a good bit of sermons and writings and book links and other content that hopefully can be edifying for you. This morning, we'd like to continue our thoughts on Jesus Christ in the law and focusing on the sacrifices. And today we've arrived at the Day of Atonement, the most important day in the Levitical law by way of sacrifices. And we hope the Lord will bless us to see the testimony of Jesus Christ in this special day, the Day of Atonement. So we hope that you can stay tuned with us here today, and we will bring that message for you regarding the Day of Atonement right after the song.
Good morning again. Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Uh, this morning we'd like to go back and continue to look at Jesus Christ and the law. And last time we focused on the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement and the day on the seventh month of the Jewish year and the tenth day that the high priest would go and represent the people of God before God make a sacrifice of the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and then go and sprinkle that blood of that sin offering before the mercy seat for a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus's blood as he entered in once into the holy place and the veil of the temple that separated the holy place from the holiest of holies. Now that veil of the temple has been rent in twain, right from the top to the bottom. And now we have direct access in the holiest of holies by the sacrifice and the intercessory work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the releasing of the scapegoat by the hand of a fit man to a land uninhabited. And that is a picture of God removing our sins. As far as the east is from the west from us, there will never be any in an eternal sense. Our, our sins come back and haunt us and convict us here in time. But in God's eyes, that's an amazing thought, isn't it? In God's eyes, it's as if we never sinned in an eternal sense. Now, as a good father, when we make mistakes, he lovingly chastises us. But ultimately, the Lord sees us as pure through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is just amazing to think about. So the Day of Atonement, the priest Aaron and his later descendants would go and make the sacrifice pointing toward, as a shadow of good things to come, pointing toward the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make on our behalf as he went in and sprinkled that blood upon God's mercy seat in heaven. And it's by the sprinkling of that blood before the propitiation, the mercy seat before God, that is how we have been saved eternally from our sins and from the eternal judgment and woe that we rightly were in by our own sins. Ashes of a red heifer. Anyone that touched a dead body, that you would bring a red heifer without spot, without blemish. Of course, all these sacrifices pointing toward the sinless Son of God always had to be without spot and without blemish and upon which never came a yoke. That's an interesting distinction that they've never plowed a field. There's never been a yoke that's put upon them. And it's also a heifer. It's most of the time they are commanded to be a male. But in this instance, it was commanded to be a female, a red heifer. And you would slay the heifer without the camp. Again, Calvary was without the camp. It was outside of Jerusalem, pointing toward Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Then you would take the blood of the red heifer and sprinkle it seven times before the tabernacle. Then you would burn the heifer and the skin and the flesh and the blood and the dung. You would take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer, that sacrifice. And then the priest would wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and would be unclean until the evening and then a man would gather up the ashes of the red heifer and lay them without the camp into a clean place. And that's described as a water of separation. It's described as a purification. And then everyone that handled the dead body of the red heifer would be unclean for seven days. And if anyone in general touched a dead body or was unclean, they could take the ashes of the red heifer and running water be put into a vessel. And then the clean person
person would take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon the vessels and everyone would touch the dead body. And then the, cl the clean person would sprinkle upon the unclean on the third day. We always pay attention when there's third day references, right? Pointing toward the resurrection of Christ. So sprinkling on the third day and then again on the seventh day. And after seven days, he would wash himself and purify himself and then be clean until even on the seventh day. So this is referenced, uh, the ashes of the red heifer are referenced in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a red heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ to through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So there's this reference to the ashes of the red heifer in the New Testament. And honestly, I'll readily admit, I don't understand the full significance of this ashes of a red heifer. One thought I have had is that obviously as Jesus died, he gave up the ghost and he gave up the ghost before men took his life and they went to break the his legs, but he had already given up the ghost, and they wanted to make sure they got him down off of the uh, cross before sundown that began the new Jewish day that began the high Sabbath that was coming. And then the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was taken by Joseph of Arimathea as well as Nicodemus, and they took the body of Jesus Christ and then they anointed it with, with oil and with myrrh and with expensive fragrances to anoint his body. So there may be some significance to that, uh, the touching of the dead body, touching of the of the Lord and them being sanctified figuratively by the ashes of the red heifer. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure the significance of the ashes of a red heifer. You can study that on your own and be sure and email us if you have good thoughts on that. I'd certainly love to know if you have some spiritual insight on that, but uh, it was a part of the procedure during the Day of Atonement, so we wanted to make sure that we address that. For the remainder of our time, we want to go back to Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, and Lord willing, this will be the last message during the offering section of Jesus in the Law, and I know we've been considering this for quite a bit now, and just to kind of hopefully let you know where we're going, unless the Lord directs in a different way. We want to look at the feasts. There's five feasts, and uh, we'd like to look at those pointing toward Jesus Christ. And then one kind of a summary message, possibly, that Jesus fulfilled the law to a jot and to a tittle, which is just amazing to think about, right? You think about how detailed and how complicated, oh my goodness, how complicated the law is. And to think that Jesus in his perfection fulfilled it to the, the slightest letter and the slightest punctuation mark, every jot and tittle, that's just amazing to think about, isn't it? So, Oh, uh, I hope these messages have been edifying for you, but we, we, we've got just a little bit more to go, if you'll bear with me. But this is the, the last of the offerings section, and uh, so much of these offerings are pointed toward in the New Testament, but they're especially pointed toward in the book of Hebrews, and that's kind of highlighted and reaches its climax there in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. So, We'd like to go there and discuss those passages during the remainder of our time this morning as we conclude our thoughts on the offerings that were commanded in the Mosaic Law. Hebrews chapter 9, 
beginning in verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He finished the work of salvation. And we've been saved by sovereign grace, by the shedding of his own precious blood. We have obtained eternal redemption for us. We're saved by grace. Praise God. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, I hope that these messages have been encouraging for you and you've enjoyed listening to them. But the whole reason why God gave us this, the whole reason why God gave his word and his gospel is not so that you would just listen to it and say, yeah, I agree with that. That's a real blessing to me. Amen. No, the purpose of this is that you see the magnitude of the sacrifice that Jesus has made on your behalf and that the spirit works inside of you to convict your conscience to to encourage you and to and to stimulate you and to prick you into greater service to him, right? If you are offering your own dead works upon the sacrifice, you know, your faith uh, we live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And, and if your faith is not exhibited in the actions of your life in a bold way to where, as it says in James chapter 2, your faith is dead. It looks vain to public opinion. You need to be purged from that. So again, we're not delivering these messages just as a as a exposition of the Mosaic law and just to uh, deliver a good message. The purpose of God giving us this is so that you would see the amazing sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf and that your conscience will be purged from dead works to serve more zealously, more fervently Almighty God, right? And that's our desire, that you would be pricked and that you would, not just that you would enjoy a message, but that the Spirit would guide your conscience to greater service to this Lamb that came and died for you, right? That's the purpose of this, is so that God would purify our hearts. He's purified our souls in regeneration, but God would purify our hearts and our minds to where the, the works of Christ would be exhibited in our actions and people would not look at your life and say, well, he professes Christ, but there's no, there's no works to manifest and, and to boldly declare that profession. His faith looks kind of dead to me. It looks inauthentic. It looks vain. No, if that's the manner in which we're living, you should hear a message such as this and look at the sacrifice of the Lamb of God on your behalf and the Spirit of God should convict your conscience to quit allowing your faith to be vain and empty, but now your faith to be bold and strong and work out that salvation that God's already worked in to purge your conscience from dead works to greater service to the living God. Now, think about those animals that were sacrificed. They all stayed dead, didn't they? <laughs> every single one of those bullocks, every single one of those goats, it didn't matter what it was, every single one of those sacrifices, they stayed dead. Why? Because they're animals. But Jesus Christ is not a dead sacrifice. He is the living God, right? He was resurrected from the dead. He's not a, a dead sacrifice that was made in the past. He is a living Savior that ever liveth to make intercession for you. And don't forget that, to serve the living God. 
Verse 15, for this cause, he is the mediator of a new testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, uh, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there also must of necessity be the death of a testator. It talks in the previous chapter about a new covenant, and that's a will. It's a, it's a contract. A will describes the heirs of someone's estate. God has made this covenant between the three members of the Godhead, and we are the heirs of salvation. And the only way that a will is, is enforced is if the, the one who signed the will dies, right? And that's what happened. Jesus Christ died on And now that testament, that will is in full force and praise God by his free, free and sovereign choice of us before the foundation of the world. We are heirs of that covenant. And now we have all the inheritance that God has ordained for us to have. There, there of necessity must be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now, praise God, Jesus, he died, but he was resurrected. Amen? That testator died, but he's also a living God. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and, and sprinkled both the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. But remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission no remission of sins. So how are you remitted from your sins? It's not by your prayer. It's not by your work. Remember what happened on the Day of Atonement. The people of Israel had nothing to do with it. Nothing. He said, if you dare do any work, you're going to be cut off from the people. It was by the sole work of the high priest on the behalf of the people. So without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You're not saved from your sins by prayer you pray. You are saved from your sins by the shed blood of Almighty God. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered in the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. That high priest was to represent all the people of God. And Jesus appeared before the Father in this eternal sense one time to represent all of the elect family of God that he chose before the foundation of the world, right? Nor yet that he should offer himself often. They had to do it every year as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood, with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He put away sin. He didn't have the possibility of putting away sin. He didn't offer himself to you. He put away sin. And if God put something away, you think somebody's going to find it, right? No, don't you bring that sin back up. And Satan tries to bring that sin back up in your mind, doesn't he? God's put away sin. Don't you think that you've got to do something to put away your sin? Jesus Christ put away your sin on the tree of the cross. And he, he's that fit man that led that scapegoat out in the land uninhabited, never to be seen again. He's the one that's removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. There is no possibility that those sins will ever come back to haunt you in an eternal sense before God. So you need to trust that, child of God. He hath appeared to put away sin. Sin is put away. 
Man, let's just praise God together for that this morning. Sin is put away. It's gone for the elect children of God because of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on our behalf. As it is pointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen and amen. He was once offered. Listen, child of God, you don't have to go to a priest and have confessional. You need to confess before God, but you've got direct access to the great high priest because the veil of the temple was rent in twain. But you don't go to a man to offer confession in hopes that God will keep on forgiving you. In hopes, now you need to do that. You need to confess your sins and repent. But you don't do that to, to maintain or to gain eternal life. Look, Christ was offered once to bear your sins. You don't go and bring your sins before God on a repetitive basis and hope he's gonna keep forgiving you. And if I forget to do that one time, he's gonna cast me in hell. God forbid, God forbid. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. For Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation. Okay, now chapter 10, verse one. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. And that's what we've been talking about, right? So we've been talking about for months. It's a shadow of good things to come. But I tell you, you don't exalt the shadow. (laughs) You exalt the fullness of it, right? We can learn from the shadow, but the shadow is pointing us toward Jesus Christ. A shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things itself, can never with those sacrifices when they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. They went through this process year after year after year, but not a single one of them had any eternal implications It actually made them feel good in their own conscience for another year, but it showed the inadequacy of man's sacrifice, doesn't it? They got to keep doing it over and over and over again. And if you think that you got to keep praying the sinner's prayer over and over and over again in hopes that God's going to keep either keep or now this time for real, remit your sins, I want you to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You don't have to keep praying the same prayer over and over again and making the same sacrifice year after year after year like these Israelites did. Christ has put away sin. He's obtained eternal redemption, forever perfected them that are sanctified. You don't have to keep coming before him in hopes that you're either going to get or keep your eternal life. You need to confess. You need to repent. But it has no bearing on God's eternal vision of you because that's solely by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Verse three, for in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin. Every year that they had to have the day of atonement, it was remembrance that this sacrifice is inadequate, right? It was a remembrance that this isn't good enough. It is not possible that the blood of goats and bulls should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written, to do thy will. What was the Lord's will? To come and obtain eternal redemption. Was it the Lord's will to come and offer himself softly and tenderly unto you and hope that you might be cooperative? He came to put away away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He said, it is finished, and he perfected forever them that are sanctified and obtained eternal redemption for all his people. Amen. Above when he had said, sacrifice and offerings and the burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will. What was God's will? To save all that God had given him, right? 
It wasn't his will to offer himself and maybe some people will be cooperative and maybe some people will be interested. It was his will to save all that the Father had given him, right? He taketh away the first and he established the second. By the which will we are sanctified, past tense, through the offering. How are you sanctified? You're not, you're not sanctified by your perseverance. You're not sanctified by your works. You're not sanctified by anything you do. You are sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, for all of God's people. Every priest standing daily, ministering and offering, often not the same sacrifice. We can never take away sin. But this man, this man, Jesus Christ, the God man, the son of man, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting to his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I want to tell you, that's the testimony of Jesus Christ right there. The day of atonement is pointing toward, first of all, the insufficiency of man's sacrifice, right? They had to keep doing it every single year, every year, every year. They had to have the day of atonement. Well, I'll tell you, we don't have to have a day of atonement every year. We don't have to offer the blood of bulls and goats anymore because the Lamb of God entered in once into the holy place to make the sacrifice for sin. We have been perfectly saved by the sacrifice of Almighty God. Just amen, right? <laughs> amen. Praise Him. Praise Him for loving us before the foundation of the world and not leaving it up to us. He left it up to Adam, and Adam messed it up, and that's why the blood of the Lamb had to be sacrificed. We've been saved eternally by nothing more than the shed blood of the Lamb of God. We hope that you've been able to see that this morning. And then seeing that, I hope your heart has been edified. But if you see that and the Spirit of God guides you and convicts you, then I pray that it will purge your conscience from any dead works we may have in our life. Purge your conscience from dead works to greater service to the living God. As we said before, all those other lambs and, and bullocks and goats and everything, every one of those animals, they stayed dead. Well, I'll tell you, the Lamb of God didn't stay dead. He was resurrected the third day, and he is the living God. And it's our privilege to serve that living God today. And I would encourage you, go and worship that living God today for his sacrifice of saving us from our sins by his free and sovereign grace and by his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. May God bless you this morning. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. 
If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful.